This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing is to give our attention to Jesus. Hi, friends. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about the desert. Desert times. We all have them. Seasons when God seems to have removed himself from our experience, when we feel alone, when Jesus is quiet. We call them desert times or valley times. And let me just say right at the beginning, friends, that Jesus is the God of the valley just as much as he is the God of the mountaintop. In Hosea 2, 14, God says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. He's going to draw Israel away, to draw her to himself, to meet her in ways she didn't even know she needed. And he does the same for us, though it may be difficult to recognize in the moment. In Waking the Dead, my husband John wrote this. It said in Psalm 23, he leads us away to a quiet place to restore the soul. Our first choice is to go with him there to slow down, unplug, accept the invitation to come aside. You won't find healing in the midst of the matrix. We need time in the presence of God. This often comes on the heels of God raising some issue in our hearts or after we've just relived an event that takes us straight to that broken place or waking to a raw emotion. Psalm 86, 11 through 12 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. When we are in the presence of God, removed from distractions, we are able to hear him more clearly, and a secure environment has been established for the young and broken places in our hearts to surface. That's from Waking the Dead again. Hosea 2 continues in verse 15. There, I, God, will give her back her vineyards and make the valley of Achor, which is the valley of trouble, into a gateway of hope. There she will respond as she did in the days of her youth and in the day she came up out of Egypt. He's talking about what the response is going to be for Israel after he has allured her in the desert, what her response is going to be after that time and in it. Well, how did she respond? How did she respond when, when he first brought her up out of Egypt? Well, she trusted him. She depended upon him. She looked to him alone for her help. God uses desert times for us, as he does every season in our lives, for his good. Though, whew! It often feels anything but good. Because we all know seasons that may feel like centuries when our responsive, faithful God, who is true to his promises, feels nowhere to be found. And the doubt and the loneliness and the sorrow and the where are you, God, in this 
can seep into our souls, parching our faith. Those are the times that cause us to dig our wells more deeply into the one whose name is living water or to dig our wells someplace else. They are the time when we are taken to the mat, where we give it all we've got while being tempted to give up. The questions rise, where is God? Why is he allowing the you name it? Even the question asked, what's the benefit of loving Jesus? Man, God uses these times to hone our faith, to deepen it, to forge priceless gold in us, to reveal his love to us more deeply, and to heal us in places we didn't even know we needed healing. I've invited two of our women's team members, Karen and Michelle, to join us today to share some stories from their own experiences, their own wisdom that they've acquired from being in the desert, either for short periods or long ones, and what that's been like for them. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for having us. Yay. So let's start with you, Karen. Have you ever had times when you were spiritually in a desert? Um, First, I have to say I'm getting real uncomfortable here because I think I'm in the wrong podcast. I was coming to talk about finding God in the dessert. <laughs> been there. Oh, that sounds I, good. I usually look on, at the bottom of the ice cream bucket. So at the bottom of the How ice cream bucket. Have you found him there? This is, I guess I've done a lot of searching there myself. Well, there's always hope for the next time. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I think about desert, I think about not not a time of dryness or lack um, from the choices I've made myself. But there are certain seasons I can very clearly remember where I was, to the best of my ability, going after God, like searching for him with my whole heart. Mm -hmm. And he was silent. Mm -hmm. And it's so, um, it's just so lonely, as Stacey already said. It's also confusing because at the time I was, um, under spiritual leaders um, who were like, I guess their their first thing would have been to say, well, you better find the sin in your life because, right. you know, that's how you separate yourself from God. Well, that is true, but that's not the only time that you can experience silence from God. Right. Um, and I actually have whole, I have whole Psalms in my Bible that I have labeled desert because mm. they are ones that were just super precious to me during those times. One of them is Psalm 77. It says, I cry aloud to God. I cry aloud and he hears me. He doesn't answer me, but he hears me. <laughs> in times of trouble, I pray to the Lord. All night long, I lift my hands in prayer, when I, but I cannot find comfort. When I think of God, I sigh. When I meditate, I feel discouraged. Um. Will the Lord always reject us? Will he never again be pleased with us? Has he stopped loving us? Does his promise no longer stand? Has God forgotten to be merciful? And then that's Psalm 77. And then in verse 11, it says, I will remember your great deeds, Lord. I will recall the wonders you did in the past. I will think about all that you have done. I will meditate on all your mighty acts. So, I remember going going through that psalm like over and over, like, mm. God, 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 where are you? 
I'm talking. Hello, do you hear me? <laughs> but then I would always get to verse 11. I will remember your your great deeds, Lord. And so I think that was probably a source of nourishment during those times. Just to remember, like to have your heart caught in that. I love that psalm. I can feel the ache in it mm -hmm. and resonate with that. Yeah. And another one was Psalm 13 and the first, just the first line, how much longer, Lord, will you forget me? Mm. How much longer will you hide yourself from me? Um, I remember one of those seasons I was in and I went and asked a trusted, a trusted um, teacher, like, what do you, what do you do? Like, surely you've been around the block a few times. Like, what do you do when God isn't talking to you or you're, you're looking and looking and looking and he's, he's nowhere to be seen. And this, this man who I deeply trusted and respected had nothing, nothing to say. Mm. And I'm just thinking, wait. Well, that would just, that would just heighten the feeling of abandonment and aloneness. Like I'm, I'm surely, right. I just need direction or show me where I can find a drink of water. Yeah. And, and also, don't you need someone to say, look, there's nothing wrong with you, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. And it's not always that you're sinning. Right. Right. I feel like that's important to highlight. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And like when, and that mm -hmm. was it, what song was that? When, how long was it? Will you Thir hide 13, from me? Yeah. Or, because doesn't it feel, and it's true, God, he sometimes plays hide and seek. Mm. Right. And, um, and there isn't a formula of, okay, if I seek you for 24 hours or if I fast and pray for this long or, and then you will reveal yourself. Like sometimes it's a long time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. For you in that season, Karen, was that a week? Was it a month? I would say probably several months at mm -hmm. least. Uh-huh. That was that season. I'm thinking of other times where it's probably been much longer. Mm -hmm. um, or even a short, you know, a short week-long desert is super painful as well, mm -hmm. or can be. Yeah. But something in that season, I was able to, I just knew somehow deep in my heart, this is not your fault. Mm. Somehow I knew that, and I'm so grateful. Something in me knew, like, God's entrusting you with something. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and that's that's probably one of the key things I would love people to hear. And I didn't actually make this up. This is from our friend, our dear friend Becky, and she she mentions this in um, I think it's the first episode of the Jesus Stories from the summer in the Wild at Heart podcast. But she said, "When God is silent, He is so pleased with you." I just mm -hmm. that just feels like so so true. First of all, but just such kindness and mercy. Oh, say it one more time. When God is silent, he is so pleased with you. Hmm. And I, I, I really do think that to be entrusted with God's silence for a season is, is really honoring. It's not fun, but it's honoring. Hmm. I love the word entrusted. Because mm -hmm. what, like, what does that mean to you, Michelle? Like if you're entrusted with something. You're carrying something of value that's 
that you are a trusted person is a big deal in my story. Yes. So that's a huge word. Yes. Such a great Mm. word. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to go because I have so many questions more for you about this carriage. And I know that it's uh, that it's not one and done. You have one season in your life. And thank you, Jesus, that that's over. Right, right. No, he's, he's um, who will use everything at his disposal to get to more of our hearts, whether that's unseating things or it's to reveal his deeper love for us or to heal things in us that can't be accessed in other ways. There's all kinds of reasons for it. And um, I think where we land is that entrusted peace because you trusting ultimately in what she said, he's pleased with you. Mm. He has his eye on you. Mm-hmm. He's still good. Mm-hmm. And when you come to that, that's gold. Mm-hmm. That's gold. What about you, Michelle? Can you tell us about any um, desert times or one you're walking through now or that you have in your past and, and what that was like for you? Sure. For me, um, one of my most common desert areas that's been occurring since I was about 19 is the area of chronic pain. Mm. Chronic pain that will, you know, disrupt your life for periods of time to where you can't participate in normal activities or, yeah, and the isolation of that. And just like the verse Karen read about where are you, how long are you going to ignore me, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, especially young in my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I didn't match the formula of, well, if you do this, this, and this, then God will heal you. You know, right. this, is, this is a long time, 19 and I'm 48 now. Okay, yeah. So that's an, a desert I've moved in and out of wow. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I currently am in probably level seven of wow. one right now. Out of 10? Yeah. Uh, as far as levels of desert. Yes. and um. Yeah, the loneliness, the isolation, the being misunderstood, mm-hmm. the is this how God treats his children? Mm-hmm. You know, how the enemy loves to right. throw some barbs in there yes. along the way when you're vulnerable. So, yeah, well familiar with desert seasons in that regard. Just in, in what you said, and Karen, you alluded to as well, one of the worst things I think that can happen to you in it is when you're told it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And and like you mentioned, there may yeah. be a reason. There may be a season. Maybe you've walked away or you've blah, whatever reason. Yeah. But that's not that's not generally the case. Right. And when people say, um, what are you doing wrong? Because right. this is your fault. <laughs> Wow. Right. It just makes it so much worse. Yeah. It just and, introduces shame. Yeah, it introduces shame and hiding then. Yeah. For I'm going to fake it. Yeah. Well, and it's a way for them to not have to wrestle with the unanswered questions that you're wrestling with. Yeah. Because they want something neat and tidy. Like if I can point at you and say, well, if you would just do this and this, you'd be fine. Then I don't have to wrestle with, wait, how does God? Wait, what? Right. Yeah. The unexplained mystery of mm-hmm. um, of a desert season. Right. We can't peg it down sometimes. It's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. for us and those around us as well. Uh, yeah. 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 What has helped? Um, uh, I can clearly identify that the most 
beautiful and common way God's met me in the middle of a desert season is through a person, through like God with skin on, real Mm. people. Mm. And by way of example, um, last summer, so two summers ago, I was in a really serious flare that was, I hadn't been in one for quite a while, so it was very disturbing and very disruptive to my life. And very difficult to explain because no one else can see it, right? Uh, So you walk around, but and you can't come to work that day, but it's very difficult for you to articulate what is happening in a way that people Mm -hmm. can understand. Mm -hmm. And you know that feeling when you you talk to someone and you see them glaze over Mm -hmm. while you're talking because they just can't go there. Maybe they haven't suffered physically or maybe they just are busy that minute, but it can mean so much more to you mm-hmm. in that moment. And on this particular day, I think I could not go to work, and I was in the tub, which is the best place for me to be to combat pain initially. And I grabbed my phone, and I Marco Poloed from the tub with the phone up high enough to where it was just my nose and <laughs> eyeballs that you could see. But I... I Marco Poloed, two friends that I knew were safe for me and that would not try to fix it and would not try to prescribe a formula. And that I just, I love their empathy for me. They're very similar to me in that way. So they're what I would give to someone else. That's what they're like. And so I just wept into the phone Mm. in the tub, Mm. naked in all the ways. Mm. And, um, just tried to explain to them, like really took the time to explain, and this hurts, and then this happens, and then this, and this Mm. is what a day looks like, and this is what a night looks like. And even the resistance to doing that was so strong, right? Like that's super vulnerable. That's all the vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. And um, just to work up the guts and grace must, I must have got it from God to just push past the oh my gosh I'm I'm going to be too much. Mm, yes, and um, their response to me was so precious. They were of course exactly who I knew them to be, and they continue to be. And but even so, even after like many times of them saying to me, if they'll find out that I've had a bad week, they'll be like, "Why did you not come? You didn't tell." Mm. And I was just like, I, "Even those." ones that are safe for me to tell every detail, it still takes a lot of guts and it, and it, it takes being willing to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know. But I have met Jesus through them. I have received comfort mm-hmm. by having a witness in the yes, desert. A witness. Right. Not mm-hmm. a fixer, but a witness and not even a solution, but just a companion to sit with in it, which is what to me Jesus is like. Yeah, for us in those in those moments. So mine is people. Mine's been mm. people. People without accusation. Yes. People coming alongside. I love that. Like it is maybe being the witness. That witness word mm. is really beautiful, mm-hmm. doesn't it? It makes you think of Job at the beginning yeah, with his right. friends. When he, when they got it right. When they <laughs> got it right for a short time. Yeah. When they said nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I remember that, um, the gift of presence. Mm. That's the greatest gift you can give someone. Mm-hmm. And I think um, for me, in a time where I feel God really distant, I begin with, what did I do yeah, wrong? Yeah, mm. totally. I'm not doing what I used to do, or, you know, my heart has grown cold, or 
Like the part where we blame ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the enemy's trying to, trying to interpret it for us? Right. Yeah. Being allowed to have a say in how we interpret right. it. Yeah. Karen, you were talking with me about that, that uh, to be really careful about your thoughts. Yeah, I think looking back on that season, I didn't have the words for it then that I do now, having grown up a little bit and wild at heart. Um, but I think it's so important to not make agreements with that's with that season of desert because you can start to feel like this is forever. I mean, some some people did have a 40-year desert. That's true. But Mercy, it's not gonna be 40 years. I, <laughs> I always think, oh, this is a long season. Oh, but it's not 40 years. So I'm I'm doing okay. That's <laughs> relative. Um, yeah, so be careful not to make agreements because then, at least for me, I can start to interpret everything that happens through that lens. And it's it's kind of like almost in a way taking the sword that the enemy has, that Satan has driven in and just like twisting it like, yeah, yeah, that's what God's like or that's mm-hmm. that's what I deserve or that's what I've earned or, yeah. You're you're unloved or you're invisible or mm. life isn't really for you. It's for other people, mm. um, that kind of thing. So anyway, but to recap, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> don't make agreements. I'm, I'm speaking this to myself. Don't make agreements with a hard season as in this is all that, that it will ever be. Mm-hmm. That's really important mm-hmm. that this is all. Of it. And then like in the um, psalm that you read at the beginning, then it came to verse 11. I'm going to remember. Right. What, yeah. Like that's sometimes that we hold on to, isn't it? No, you were faithful in the past. Wait, what? I'm going to remember what you're like. Mm-hmm. And I even realized that when I just said, it's not going to be 40 years, like that's. That's just not true because you're almost at 30. <laughs> Wait. Oh, no. Uh, no, you're not. It's not going to. I'm not. This is not prophesying. This yeah. shall it be. And it's come in and out. It hasn't been right. every moment of every day. But what I've seen in both of you and, and why I really wanted to share this time with you guys is because there's been a gold forged in both of your hearts mm-hmm. through not just desert times, but through suffering. Mm-hmm that I don't think can be forged actually in any other way. Mm-hmm. And in that, coming coming to know God in a way that you might not have known him otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, Michelle, how have you come to know God in a way that maybe you wouldn't have? I think there is this mysterious intimacy that happens in a desert that's mm-hmm. unlike intimacy you experience in highs Mm -hmm. in your walk or happier times, not even connected to joyful times, but there is this communion, um, joining him in his sufferings, Mm -hmm. identifying with him. And that's really a focal point for me sometimes. Um, I've learned that through Um, A writer that I love, K.J. Ramsey, who talks about God meeting you in suffering that isn't letting up Mm. and focusing on the fact that he absolutely is acquainted with Mm -hmm. my suffering and my grief. And there is this this group of people who are familiar with it in the way that I am, and it's really difficult to articulate, but it's precious. I know him to be so present. I know him to be so good merciful and comforting 
and um, through people. And then sometimes just even just me and him, me crying in the bathtub to yes. him. Yes. For comfort and knowing that I'm heard. Yes. You know, knowing that he hears me and that because it hasn't let up doesn't mean that he didn't mm-hmm. hear me. Mm-hmm. That's mysterious, isn't it? It is mysterious. Yes. It's holy. It's yes. sacred. Yes. And I, I don't want it. I also don't want it. No. I would skip it if I could. Yes. Right. Yeah. What were you going to say? There is an intimacy, I think, right, Michelle, if, if you and he are the only ones who see it. Yeah. Yes. Because I think, uh, yeah, often I'd say we take our stuff to other people real quick before we take it to God. Mm-hmm. But if there, if that's not even an option sometimes, like, yeah. God, you're the one who sees me. You're the only one who sees me right, right now. I feel like that's intimate. Yes. It is. And to know that he does. Mm-hmm. He, see, he sees. He gets you. He's not turning his face away. He's with you. In mentioning that the gift of presence is the best thing we can give one another, like his presence, Mm -hmm. whether we feel it or not, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. this is where our faith really does go deeper because um, we can get really mad at him in it, which which is okay. Yes. Like not to pretend, like, but to be our true selves. Right. Yeah. Because if I'm going to be reading out of the Psalms, the Psalms are there for these seasons. I mean, other reasons, of course, too. But like, if you want to know what does God, does he welcome my whole heart when mm-hmm. I'm angry and disappointed and confused and alone? Just read what the Psalms, like there's so much lament. There's so much jubilation. Okay, sure. There's also um, like, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. Are you going to forget me forever? Did you forget that I am here? How long am, mm, are you yeah. going to be silent? How long? Yeah. And I feel like that's super encouraging just to know, well, first of all, there's language for some of these things that I can't mm-hmm. articulate, but also God welcomes this as worship. I'm convinced that he welcomes it as worship because it's offering our true heart to him and saying like, okay, God, you're the source of life. Otherwise I wouldn't be quote-unquote, complaining to you about it. Mm. It's you're, you're the one who can do something about this, so here's my heart. And I think he loves that. Mm. I love that you said that that's worship, bringing him your authentic heart. Mm-hmm. You're going to him with all that you are. Yeah. Mm. That is so good. One, one thing that um, has helped me in and going with my authentic heart is something that John, my husband, has has taught me to do is to love God from mm-hmm. that place. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like to enter into the sorrow, the disappointment, the ache, the how long, oh Lord. Mm-hmm. And from that feeling it, saying, mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you from here. I love you. That doesn't, it's not an immediate fix by any means. But it is a rescue. Mm-hmm. So are you saying, like, get into that feeling, get get into that space where you feel abandoned? Exactly. Mm, love him from there. Yeah. I mean, feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in that, like, making the radical decision to say out loud, I 
love you, God, mm-hmm. whether it's out loud or you're in a place you have to be quiet. But I love you. I love you here. Yes. And it, it is a rescue because it, it keeps my heart from plummeting even deeper. And there's something, again, mystical about it, like mm-hmm, proclaiming right. the truth mm. um, in the face of what does not look true. Right. Mm. You have a poem I oh, see over there, Michelle. This is, a, this is from K.J. Ramsey's Instagram. Um, it says, we spend so much energy in life trying to overcome pain when we could be watching for the miracle of being met in the middle of it. Right in the middle of your weakness, dare to watch your life with expectancy because there is still a shepherd who sees you and he's ready to multiply the loaves. And if you'll let your losses be an offering, which is what Karen was just saying and what you were just saying, it's worship. It's worship. Normalize this experience of having God meet you in the middle of pain rather than eradication of pain. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. That, and that last sentence, let your losses Oof, be an offering. If you'll let your losses be an offering. So there's a way not to let them be that. Ooh. Tell us about that, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) I think the anger, (laughs) staying in anger. Yeah, or thinking that you have nothing to offer because Mm. you have nothing. Right. But to consider the fact, like you're talking about your authentic self, like my heart, my my pain, my loneliness, my my wondering, my being in this for way longer than I wanted to Mm. be. Bringing that to God, letting your losses be an offering and trusting him, like loving him in the midst of that, like, wow. Because do you, well, I know the answer to this, actually, (laughs) but it's not just us, right? (laughs) I mean, that go through seasons. Oh, right. Right. Everybody has their own. Yeah. Everybody. And I think that's one of the things that we want to just be able to offer and to say is, you're not weird. Right. right. Normalize yeah. it. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't we don't want it to be anybody's 100% like no, it's actually not sorrow, suffering that come to everybody's life, everybody's the desert times and because of Christ they don't get the final say over our life. That's right. Yeah. Not the truest reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still thinking about the last part of that poem. Um, if you let your losses be an offering. And I think it, I think I'm having more clarity about what I was trying to say about agreements. So you, your losses can either be an offering, like a sacrifice to God that you hold up to him and say, okay, here, here I am, here this is. Or you can cling to it and say, this is my identity, Ooh, right? Yeah, yeah. And then that's, that's part, that's what I meant with by the agreement thing. Like you can say... Well, I'm, uh, for Michelle, I'm a person in chronic pain, and that's just who I am. Right. I'm going to hold on to this tightly because nobody understands me. Right. And this is this is me and my, yeah. Do I sound a little snarky? You sound exactly <laughs> like me. Well, I kind of recognize myself over there. But what's the or? Or. Mm. Or tenderness to yourself mm. and. Holding loosely, I'm trying to think, like, what's the, what does that posture feel like in my body? It's like surrender. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like letting go and 
admitting what is reality and and like watching for the miracle of being met in the middle of it. Yeah, that's the opposite, right? Of it clinging is. to it as mm. my broken identity. It's watching for the miracle. Yeah. It's like determined to be hopeful. Mm. You make me think of the word honoring as well. Mm. Like honoring the reality that you are an image bearer of the living God mm -hmm. in the midst of it rather than something less than or deserving of less than. But again, the authenticity. Like yeah. not we don't have to run from ourselves in these in these times. We can actually not say it's our identity, but also own the reality of it. Right. Mm -hmm. An open-handed, um, Jesus, please make this as short as possible. And <laughs> I'm going to love you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to love you in the midst. And I'm going to reach out and risk. Mm. <laughs> Zoiks. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you had a couple of women that you could reach out to. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That really makes me even more so want to be that way for, yeah. be that kind of a companion in yes. someone else's desert. Yes. Yeah. And doesn't that, isn't that the result? Like when you think about the result in your own heart, mm -hmm. um, being in a desert or being in a season of suffering can either harden you mm -hmm. or it can soften you. And part of part of a differentiation is you can either blame God for it mm. or you can invite him in to bear mm. it with you together. Yeah. And one of those is going to make us into the women that we ultimately long to be. Yes. Yeah. More like him. Mm -hmm. This man of sorrows and suffering who understands. Yes. And wouldn't it be different if he hadn't suffered? Like what category would I have for... A savior who hadn't met me in everything very that I would off. encounter. Yeah, it wouldn't work. <laughs> He'd be very, he's very aloof and very yeah. distant. Yeah. Right. It's a, a different gospel. Right. Which also helps us to understand why it's important with safe people for us to be honest about our own suffering. Mm -hmm. I know. I was thinking about that, Michelle. Like how, what a gift you actually offered your friends by inviting them into that. Mm. That's not something I'm really great at, but. Inviting people in. Yeah. Mm. Like, I think this is where the ice cream came in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You invite the ice cream in? Yes. I also do that. <laughs> There's those other wells we go to. <laughs> yeah. We just fix this now. And you know what? Sometimes we just need comfort. So yeah. it can become a trap. We don't always want to stay there, but that's okay. Thank you for saying that. It's okay. In <laughs> moderation. Okay. Yes. Yes. I mean, we've been given taste buds for a reason. I know. <laughs> if not for ice cream, then not. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to read um, this from Psalm 56, 8, um, where I think it's probably David, but the psalmist writes, you keep track of all my sorrows. Mm -hmm. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. And just to know that, you know, we all have times of sorrows, we all have tears, and that they are treasured mm -hmm. by our Father. Um, I got the opportunity to go to Israel about five years ago, mm -hmm. and ah, it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And in the marketplace in Jerusalem, they have these beautiful little bottles that they were selling. And they're for your tears. Oh, my goodness. Mm. They have tear bottles. 
And they are for um, what you would call the alpha and omega of your life. They're for your sorrow tears. They're mm. for your happy tears. They're for everything. Mm. And in the story of, um, is it when the Pharisees, yeah, that invited Jesus to dinner, it's in Luke 7, 36, and, and that woman broke her bottle mm-hmm. over him. The scholars think it was her bottle tear of tears. Bottle? Oh, my. Wow. And that was the depth oh. of her life, mm. the authenticity of your life. So that's what makes me think of offering him mm. all of it. Wow. Your losses, your joy, your times of abundance, your times of desert, it all matters to God, friends. Mm-hmm. Your every moment, your every tear are precious to him. And I know, we do know, the three of us here, and you know it too, that sometimes it feels too much to bear. It's painful when God feels absent, when you might even feel abandoned. It is true that in those times, our faith, which is more precious than gold, is being forged. We can come to know that our Jesus is with us in every season, that he is moving on our behalf. Oh, Jesus, come to us now. Strengthen us. Be merciful to us. So, dear ones, may I remind you that you are loved and nothing and no one can ever change that. Yes, we will be tested. We'll sure feel it. We will sometimes feel overcome. We will know defeat and failure in areas. We will experience desert times. Failure and defeat, sorrow and pain, Loss and decay, loneliness and fear do not and will not have the final word. Jesus has that. Romans 8, 38. It's so good. Do you have this one memorized? Let me read it to you. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including desert times, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And yay. Karen, Michelle, do you have any final words? I love what Karen has said in conversations about this, about normalizing this Mm -hmm. as a part Mm -hmm. of the human experience. and. Not, I would just encourage somebody to enter in and be real. Yeah, be real with Jesus and be real with any safe people that you might have. Those will be huge comforts, Jesus and people, the right people. Yeah. That's so good. And be vulnerable even when you don't want to. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. What about you, Karen? I'm feeling a little feisty about the religious spirit. and. What I want to really make clear, I think, if you walk with God, you have a good heart. You can trust your walk with God. So if you're going through a hard time, if I'm going through a hard time and somebody is like, oh, you better examine this and that and, you know, make sure there's no sin in the way. Actually, what I took out of one of those desert seasons was I can trust my walk with God. Mm. I can trust 
my own journey with him, my heart with him. Like if I, if I'm not being convicted by the Holy Spirit, which sounds very different from you better, better get your life in line. You better <laughs> make sure there's nothing in there. That's a very different sounding voice. Um, but if, yeah, if I'm not experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I can continue on in the path I'm going. Like if he's not saying, stop, turn around. Actually, you're okay. That is good. Mm. You're saying no to judgment and yes to mercy. Yeah, that was mm. a succinct way to put it. That's good. That's relative. Yeah. It relates. So I guess let me just close with saying mercy, mm. friends. Desert times are real. Mm. No one likes them. And if you are in a season of one right now as you're listening today, may you know that you are not alone, not forsaken. God has not lost sight of you, and there is hope. The Valley of Acor will become a door of hope. And if you have none of your own right now, we hold it for you. I want to read this poem that I love. It's called This is the Time to be Slow by John O'Donohue. This is the time to be slow. Lie low to the wall until the bitter weather passes. Try as best you can not to let the wire brush of doubt scrape from your heart all sense of yourself and your hesitant light. If you remain generous, time will come good, and you will find your feet, again, on fresh pastures of promise, where the air will be kind and blushed with beginning. Mm. By faith, not by how we are feeling, we can say along with David in Psalm 42, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. Mm. Your beloved is the God who makes a way in the desert, bringing unlooked-for food from unheard-of places, opening streams of fresh water to flood through stale rocks, making impossible pathways through uncrossable seas come for you wherever you are at this day, this moment. I'd love to pray for you right now. And I'm going to pray in the first person so that you can pray along with me. This, dear faithful Jesus, I invite you in. I invite you in to where I am at in this moment. I invite you into the desert. I invite you in to the pain, the doubt, the disappointments. Friends, just name whatever you are facing or feeling. I invite you in. Come meet me here, Jesus. I need you. Come with your compassion. Come with your mercy today. I want to know your love more deeply, to know in the marrow of my bones that you have me and have not turned your face away. Bring me living water today, Jesus, just because you love me and believe you love me. Now, Lord, hold me fast. It's in your name I pray. Thank you for spending this time with us. No matter what season you're in right now, I want to remind you, to endlessly remind you, that the King of all is captivated by you. Bless you. Mm -hmm.